Thank you. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for responding with good morning. That's great. Um, we're, we're in kind of an interesting time as we uh, come out of the last couple of years of uh, different uh, protocols, different feelings around uh, what is or is not going on. And then we see a conflict like uh, what's happening on the other side of the world, and, and we see that, and, and it comes to our, our, our focus and the, the forefront, but the reality is uh, there's conflict happening throughout the world all the time. And so we get to uh, come together as the church, and we get to gather and, and uh, enjoy one another's company. That's something that we're going to take a look at today in uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 21, if you want to turn there while... Um, or go ahead and turn, turn your way there if you have a Bible or your, your app or some of the, some, uh, actually the verses will be on the screen as well. Um, I was reminded of a story that I, I, I read by uh, um, uh, Nick Ripkin, if you've ever read anything that he's done. He's a, uh, a missionary of sorts, and he recorded a conversation with a gentleman named Dmitry in Ukraine. And uh, this conversation... Um, it still gets me uh, emotional thinking about it because uh, Nick is listening to uh, Dimitri recount what it was like to be a Christian when he wasn't allowed to, when he weren't allowed to be a Christian. What it was like to have a, a Bible and that to be contraband, that to be an illegal book. Uh, he's, he's talking about uh, what, what it was like to, to see your family hauled away and locked away because they professed the name of Jesus. And they didn't hold back from that. And Nick is he's, he's, he's feeling a certain kind of way because he, he's, he's struggling to relate to this. He's struggling to, to relate because he's not had to do that himself in that same way. He's seen some persecution. He's felt it. And, and so he starts to kind of try and apologize to Dimitri for, for what they've had to go through. And Dimitri stands up. And he looks at Nick, and he says, don't you dare, don't you dare ever give up in freedom. But we would never give up in persecution. You see, Nick was in, in, in a spot where he's trying, to, he's trying to, to, to relate the fact that he comes from the U.S. He comes from the land of the free and the home of the brave, where we get to gather like we do here, right now. And this is a right that we have. We get to... Uh, profess the name of Jesus as a right. It's something that we get to, to do without having to worry about who's going to barge in the door or who's going to get home and have their house ransacked by uh, the, the government. We get to do that here, but Dimitri, he didn't grow up with that. And so he's, he's listening to the apathy that the, uh, the church has, has fallen into, so, and, and we call it the American church, we call it uh, whatever you want. The fact of the matter is we're all part of the church. Whether you show up on Sunday to a building or not, if you profess the name of Jesus, if you believe and you are a born-again Christian, then you're part of the church. And so the, the point of that, that story there, and, and, I, and, and I love what Dimitri was getting at, You're part of the church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You're part of the church at the grocery store, at the coffee shop, at your kid's game on the weekends. 
You're part of the church when you're out watching the game at your local pub. You're part of the church when you're driving down the road and that guy cuts you off. You're, you're part of the church there too. You're part of the church in your workplaces. You're part of the church in your schools. You're part of the church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So as we pick up in uh, Acts chapter 14 today, we're coming off of uh, Paul's first missionary journey ending. And we're going to see a, a welcome home reception in a way. But let, let's look back and, and, and remember where, where Paul has been and, and maybe a quick review of, of, of Acts itself. This is a, a fantastic book. And it shows the, the, the growth and the foundation of what we refer to as the church. And we've seen uh, Paul actually get saved. We've seen him actually have his encounter with Jesus. We've seen people die for their faith. We've seen people uh, absolutely martyred. And now uh, we see Paul, he's just coming off of getting stoned. And it's interesting, if we pick up, as we pick up in verse 21... What happens right after we're supposing that Paul is dead, perhaps? He's, he's been stoned and left in the dirt. He gets picked up, and in verse 21, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to go ahead and finish reading our passage for this morning and then go back and we'll we'll, we'll break it down. We'll talk about it. Verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga and they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So turning back there uh, in verse 21, um, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. So Paul, let's, I mean, you can look back a couple of verses before that, right? Paul was just stoned. And, and the action and the, the results and what, what we see then uh, in, in this moment of, of what we would consider tribulation, uh, he had people hurling rocks at him and, and with, with the intent to cause great harm, death. We see him turning around and we see an emphasis here on uh, what is that? It's the, they, they're preaching, they're making disciples. And I, and I want to talk about that word disciple for a moment. The uh, New Testament uses uh, the word Christian three times. It uses the word disciple 270 times. Let that sink in for a minute. When, you're, when your neighbor finally asks you because they see you going to the somewhere on Sunday morning for week after week after week, hey, are you one of them? Are you one of them Christians? What's the thing that comes to mind? Do you respond with, well, actually, I'm a disciple. Or do we just let it go a Christian and we just kind of, yeah, that's me. I go to church on Sunday. I've been doing it for years. Sometimes I'm not sure why I do it. 
Sometimes I just kind of like wake up on Sunday morning and remember, oh yeah, there's a thing that I do every Sunday. I go to church. I should probably get ready for that. And uh, if I leave in just enough time, I'll probably be able to pick up my coffee on the way from my favorite coffee stand. And then you get to your favorite coffee stand and then you see the line's a little bit long and then you check the time and you're like, eh, I'll just miss the first couple worship. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll wait in line. I'll get my coffee. And we get to church and we just do the same thing over and over and over, week in and week out. What if we shifted our, our, our mindset around Christian and disciple and we decided to go, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm a disciple. Well, what does a disciple do? Well, a disciple uh, is somebody who, uh, well, let's find out. Okay? Uh, verse 21, made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and, and to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations he must enter the kingdom of God. This is, this is what we do as disciples. We, we come together and we strengthen one another. We encourage one another. Ask yourself when you show up to church on a Sunday morning, or your life group, or your Bible study that you may do, do you feel encouraged? Do you feel strengthened? Do you see that happening in other people? Do you see other people strengthened and encouraged? If you don't, well, it could be that everybody else is the problem, or you could be the problem. How do you attend? How do you gather? What's, what, how, do you, how do you talk about church? Have you ever had that conversation with somebody who you know is a non-church goer, and they're like, hey, what, is that, what do you do at, at church? Oh, I, I sing songs. We talk about Jesus. I mean, it's pretty cool. We, sometimes we have stale bread and a little bit of juice. At least that's how it is at my church where I, I go to. Uh, and we... We do some camps once in a while. We have some programs. We have some pretty good programs for our kids. What if your response was, dude, I can't not go to church on Sunday. I can't miss my life group meeting or my my Bible study meeting. I can't miss that because I will feel so drained. I go because I am strengthened and encouraged to continue making disciples, to continue sharing my faith, to continue waking up every day, grateful that I have another day, and looking to God to say, God, what are you going to do in this day? Here's my life. Your will be done, Lord, not mine. How can I be present at the grocery store, at the coffee shop? How can I be looking for, for you and in the little things? And what does it even mean to be a Christian? What does it even mean to, to say that I, I believe in, in, in this? What is this? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I, I, I would recommend, I mean, read the whole Bible, but uh, read, read, finish this chapter uh, in your time. But I'm going to read for you uh, verse 1 through... Uh, 1 through, 11, 1 through 17, actually. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Does, does that summarize the way that you view being a disciple? The way you view coming to church on a Sunday morning? Is that what you wake up and you think of? When you realize that you've got another day alive? Is... is is that it? Are you, are you crying, Abba, Father? When you're driving to church on a Sunday morning, are you thinking about your to-do list? Are you thinking about the things that you need to get done after church? Are you hoping that, are you hoping that this sermon's going to be a little bit shorter today? I apologize. Aaron told me an hour was good, so I'm going to go. What, what, are, what are we thinking about? When we leave church, are we, are we concerned about the you meal? Know, the sermon was pretty good, but man, the worship, that was, I don't know, that was kind of weird. I don't really like that. Or were we going, whew, music was great, coffee was eh, a little overdone, I've been sitting there for a while. What's on our mind as we, as we leave? These are questions that we can ask ourselves, and we got some questions at the end today to, to, to the, that we'll get to that um, are meant to be questions, gifts as we part ways later. So that we can reflect and think about the way it is and how we do church and what others are going to be looking at. What, what is our, our attitude, the things that we talk about, all of that, all of that comes back to uh, who we are as disciples. And, and you, just, you just read it there, in Romans 8. Through Christ, we, we are free. Christ, we are free indeed. We are heirs with Christ. What does that mean in your life and mine? 
Do you believe that? Sometimes, sometimes I have to tell my face that I believe that. And what I mean by that is that sometimes uh, you, you go through life and you just get so focused on everything that you have to do, every little, uh, every little task, every little box that you've got to check off. And you, you get to the grocery store, you get in, you get out, you get your coffee, you get in, you get out. And it's all about you, you, you. And sometimes we get caught in this rut and we look up and we look in the mirror and you see this person looking back at you and you're like, man, you're not very happy. Your face doesn't say that you believe in uh, the God of the universe who, who, who in his uh, loving, loving, loving way created you before you were even a thought to anyone else. Before you'd been formed in your mother's womb, the God of the universe knew you. Do you believe that? Does your life say that you believe that? Not only that, but he, he, knew, he knew that we would choose the things of the world. We would choose the things of the world to satisfy the desire that only he can satisfy. And so in doing so, he sent his son to, to, to die. To, to, to live this, this perfect life and to be the sacrifice and to conquer the grave via resurrection so that there's a, a way, so that death could be conquered, so that we could spend eternity with him. There's a price that had to be paid. There's a price that had to be paid. Do, do, do you believe that? Maybe instead of uh, getting our, our lists done and, and checking off the boxes, maybe, maybe next time you're in line at the grocery store, you can say hi to the person in front of you. Maybe even give them your phone number. Maybe next time you're at the coffee shop, take a moment and, and sit down and, and enjoy your coffee and engage with the world around you. Because you and I, we pass by people all the time who do and who don't know who Jesus is. And we can be a blessing to those who do know who Jesus is. And we can be a blessing to those who don't. But if we don't shift our perspective from coming to church to consume church and to actually being the church, then at some point we're going to be those who are going to give up in freedom what our brothers and sisters are dying for right now. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is our life reflective of someone who is giving up those freedoms, because it's comfortable. You can, you can go through life and not cause any offense. You can dodge the bullets, proverbially. You can avoid the insults. You can keep kind of a, I'm just going to kind of hang back here, this conversation. It's going to get kind of weird. It might get political. I'm just going to stay out of it. Or you could engage and step into the fold. Turn with me to uh, Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Let's take just another look here. Picking up in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we will attain to the unity of the faith and all the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the church. And when we work together, when we come together, when we go to work for our faith, when we work out our faith, then we see, we see a few things. We see uh, the church, we see the body being built up in love. And, and we're going to be more aware of and paying attention to those deceitful schemes. It's the things that are going to toss us to and fro, the conversations that are uh, really the, the, that are the, that are side conversations, that are side topics that would would knock us off our our, our game altogether. We're also going to know and be able to see those things that we do need to spend time with, we do need to talk about, we do need to address and engage. Instead of living passive lives, just kind of hoping that uh, we can do our thing over here and that everybody else will just kind of leave us alone. We could say, hey, we're going to do our own thing over here at church and we're going to encourage one another and strengthen one another so that we can go get involved over here so that we can go involve, get involved in our school board, so we can go get involved in our workplaces so that we can be the light that God has called us to be in every area he's called us to be. The last thing that we can do as Christians, especially for our future generations, is raise up generations that think that church is about what we're doing right here, right now, and that's it. They think that church is just something that they do because their parents want them to or because, uh, because it's something that we do on Sundays or because it's good people. I like to get around people that are, you know, that are, that are pretty cool, that aren't mean. Church is filled with some of the meanest people. Church is filled with some of the biggest hypocrites. Welcome. I'm here. I don't do everything that I say that I'm going to do, and I'm certainly not perfect. And guess what? None of us are. And in, and, and in, 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 in Ephesians here, we, we, we see some evidence of that. All throughout Scripture, this is, this is God's love letter to us. Instructions, a manual, however you want to say it. This is God's Word. This is this is God speaking to you, off these pages. And there's so much here about being the church, about what that looks like. And in Acts uh, chapter 14, here we get a little bit of a a glimpse of even some structure for the church, even some uh, some some direction. And it's not. It, it's, it's not in, in fine detail. There's not, a, you know, hey, here's the ten steps to have a successful church. Verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the church is being established in multiple cities. There's, there's new believers. There's excitement. There's... There's, uh, there's curiosity, there's wonder. 
And then Paul and, and, and Barnabas and, and others, they're, they're, they're moving on. And what are they leaving behind them? Well, they're leaving behind elders, they're leaving behind uh, people who have been appointed to lead, who have been uh, raised up, called into leadership. And this is, this is fascinating here, because you can read through, uh, Paul wrote some amazing letters to uh, uh, Timothy, uh, Titus, some great instruction for what it means to be an elder, a great instruction for what, what, what we should do as a church and come together. Uh, but, but right here in this, 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 little, this little snippet, verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, with prayer and fasting. This means that it's, it's not about a, a popularity contest. It's not about, hey, this person's been around long enough, so we're going to make them an elder. There's, there's a reason for this. There's a, a reason. There's, there's just prayer and fasting. This is, let's get behind what God's doing here. And, and, and let's not be so concerned about what our own individual agenda is. It's not about building the biggest church possible. It's not about getting the most people here possible. It's not about uh, raising our, our ties as much as we possibly can. It's about leading and discipling people and making disciples who will make disciples so that we can get the truth out, the truth in love, the message that we need to be sharing as, as disciples, as Christians. That should be our focus. And so who do we need in, in these roles? Well, we need uh, men who are willing to step up and, and be those leaders, sure, but with prayer and fasting. I, just, I love that that's, that's written in here. With prayer and fasting. Let's get behind what God's trying to do here. Let's make sure that our mission is aligned with His. Not that we're trying to get God to align with our mission. This is uh, in, in incredibly important to to consider as we um, as, as we wrap up uh, 24 through 28 here in a minute, uh, because there's uh, there is uh, there's a lot of content, there's a lot of media, there's a lot of experts out there. I, I love that uh, last week, Aaron, you, you brought up the, the celebrity pastor, the celebrity Christian. There's a lot of sources that we can go to for information. We can find anything to feed the opinion that we like the best. The thing that makes us the most happy, we can go find that. We can find a, a pastor to say whatever we want to. We can find a, a social group to, to belong to that makes us feel like we belong. Or we can be the church where everybody does belong. Because our hope and our rest is in Jesus. We can get distracted pretty quickly from the, the truth with what the world does have to offer. And we're going to go ahead and jump over to the 24, 25, 26, their, their, uh, their journey. We're going from city to city. And when they had arrived together, when they arrived together, they gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. In verse 28, and they remained no little time with the disciples. They are finishing up their journey and they arrive home to Antioch. This is a temporary home for them. Uh, And what did they do? Well, they gathered the church together. 
And so you, you've got to imagine this. This is uh, the, the early church. You've got to imagine the excitement, the, 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 the curiosity, the wonder. Like, okay, Paul, like, guys, what happened? Can you tell us? Because they didn't have, you know, Instagram and Twitter and whatever. They didn't have these social media platforms that are posting these updates about every little thing that, that happens all their life. They're, they're writing letters to one another. It's pretty old school. So they get together, and what do they do? They're excited. They want to hear. They're gathered. When we gather on a Sunday morning, when we gather together throughout the week, what if our conversations were, were, were similar to these ones? Tell us what happened in, in, in such and such a place. I want to know. I want to hear. Hey, last week you were talking about your coworker who you guys had kind of had this, this interesting dialogue, this conversation where, where it seemed like they might be kind of open and, and looking for, for Jesus. Did you, did you follow up on that this week? How was, that, how was your lunch? Hey, you said you're going to grab coffee with your brother whom you haven't talked to in years. Did that happen? How can, I be, how can I be praying for your brother? How can I be praying for that friend, that family member? What do you need? How can I be an encouragement to you this week? What if, what if those were our conversations here? Instead of, hey, how was your week? Oh, that was good. You know, how you doing? <laughs> busy. So busy. I'm so busy. I just got all this stuff to do and I got to keep up on my Netflix series and can't get behind on that and got to get ready for the game later. And We're just so busy. Our perspective around church needs to change. And perhaps you share someone's perspective that I'm sharing today. Great, start talking about it. Because your, your brothers and sisters, they need to know too. They need to hear it as well. And your kids need to see that. They need to know that church isn't just something that you do on a Sunday morning just because. Just because we've done it for so long. Turn with me to Second Timothy chapter 4. And today I'm, I'm going to read verse uh, 1 through 5 real quick here. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing as a kingdom, preach the word, verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There is a, a time coming when people will pursue and look for, and they're going to find whoever they can to teach whatever they want, to make whatever they feel right. How we love to just rest on our feelings. Hey, I don't feel like doing that today. Well, that's too bad. It's your responsibility. Try calling your boss and saying, hey, I'm not coming into work today because I don't feel like it. Hey, God, I don't feel like being a Christian today. I'm just, I'm just not really feeling it. 
Kind of had a rough night of sleep. Kind of, you know, my, my, my ankle hurts. Whatever. Hey, God, I'm just going to check out. Just, just a couple days. Just a couple days. I really just don't feel like it. Having itching ears, we will accumulate teachers, people who are going to make that okay. We'll look for somebody to normalize whatever we're, whatever we're going through, whatever we feel, whatever we want to believe about God, whatever we want to believe about who he is. We'll look for that. And the question is, are our children, our friends, those at, in, our, in our Bible study, those in our life groups, where, where are they looking? Are they going to come here? Are they going to gather here? Are they going to turn to the Word? All of this is evidenced by our example as Christians, as disciples. And so what does this look like? Well, in, uh, for I think almost the last year now, we've been talking about uh, this, uh, this front porch to fridge analogy. The, uh, the pathway to family. What will make church feel like coming home? Well, if we lived, if we lived more in this capacity, Jesus' pattern, his, he gives us this example, and, uh, and we could go through it. All, I forget which slide, but that's perfect. Thanks. You rock. Um, Jesus' example is he, he brings us in, in off the front porch to come and, and follow him, right? And, and I love that, that picture that was shared of, uh, of whether or not uh, Jesus would be welcome into your home, let alone would you be cooking dinner with him, or if he walked over to your fridge, like, would that be weird, okay? We've all had those people who have come over to our house, maybe they're kind of like, maybe, maybe they're the new person at church, Imagine, like, you just meet this person for the first time, you don't even know their last name, and they walk over and they just open up your fridge and just help themselves to whatever's in there. Like, would that be weird? That would be kind of weird for me. Would it be weird if Jesus did that in your house? So as we, as, as, as we talk about this, 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 this front porch welcoming one another in, off the front porch, into the living room, into, uh, sitting on the couch, cooking a meal together, dining together, preparing the meal together, to welcoming one another to the fridge. I, I, I hope that as, as you come here, there's nobody here that would, you'd be like, dude, stand on my fridge. And, and our prayer for one another, as we think about the disciples that we are, the, the example to the world is, that, that we are, May that be that uh, our lives reflect that of such as if Jesus stepped onto our front porch. He would be welcomed right in. And then if he walked up to your fridge, that would be normal. Because he's done that time after time after time after time again. Because he's that part of your life. Because he's that integral to the way that you do life. We have a few questions to uh, just put up on the screen. Not questions that I'm going to answer right now. Not questions that you're going to answer right this second. 
the questions to think about. For you, what does it mean to be part of the church? What is the legacy that your faith is leaving? If you were to no longer be here, if you were to not make it home today, what will people remember you by? Will your faith be remembered? Or will you just be a really good employee? Or you had a really nice yard? Or you're that guy who, I, I mean, I can name a bunch of things. How can you be one who strengthens the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith? How can you be part of that? When you're driving to church on a Sunday morning, are you coming to strengthen and encourage one another? I think we had just one more. No more? No more. Perfect. I believe we're, we're going to be turning our attention to communion now. I'd love to uh, uh, pray here as, as Aaron comes back up. Um, Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for this, this space that we can come together and the freedom that we have to, to gather, to worship, and to, to praise your name. God, would uh, we be a... a a part of the larger church body, the, the capital C church, as we so often call it, would we be part of your family seeking after the, the lost, seeking after, uh, seeking after those that don't know you? God, as we looked today, we got to see uh, this, this example of what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be part of the church, what it means to gather, what it means to strengthen and encourage, what it means to be part of something far greater than any of our individual lives could ever muster. So God, would you lay that on our heart as we turn our attention towards uh, remembering uh, your sacrifice to us and that amazing, uh, amazing journey that you've called us into, this life that you've called us to live, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.